Tesla is the most shorted stock in U.S. history. Hello and welcome to the Miami Law Explainer, a new podcast from the University of Miami School of Law. At The Explainer, we take a deep dive into the news of the day, unpacking Supreme Court cases and decisions, sussing out hot political and social issues, and discussing legal matters that are just too interesting to ignore. I'm your host, Annette Uguez. Over the past several weeks and months, Tesla and SpaceX founder Elon Musk's increasingly wacky behavior has caused Wall Street to twitch. Miami Law's Investor Rights Clinic Director and former Assistant Director of Enforcement for the SEC's Miami office, Teresa Vergas, wades into morass to discuss what happens to investors when the CEO takes his hands off the wheel. Let's join our producer, Catherine Skip, with a full interview. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Um, So in 2008, when General Motors was filing for the largest industrial bankruptcy in U.S. history, Musk managed to keep the lights on at Tesla. Can you talk a little about the Tesla SpaceX founders' rise? Sure. Um, Elon Musk is is a visionary. Um, he's an iconic leader who um, taught himself computer programming at the age of ten. Um, by the time he was going for his PhD in Stanford in 1995, he dropped out to become an entrepreneur. And it seemed like everything that he was doing and he touched did very well. Um, He uh, created a web software company that was uh, purchased by Compaq. He um, did an internet banking business that ultimately merged and became PayPal. Uh, By 2002, he formed SpaceX, which is a uh, privately held aerospace company and space transportation services company. And then uh, the year after followed with Tesla, which has since 2003 uh, grown to become the most valuable automaker in the U.S. Great, great. So is it just lately that there seems to be a little crazy in Musktown? I mean, has he gone from the whimsical stunster who launched a cherry red Tesla Roadster with a Starman dummy in a spacesuit on a mission to Mars to, as the Washington Post called him, approaching laughingstock status? Well, he has... He has exhibited um, quite a bit of erratic behavior um, and outbursts. Uh, part of it may actually be driven by just the, the personality of uh, the, the, some of the same features that made him um, successful. Um, very driven, uh, very driving of other people. Um, but he has become unpredictable and defiant, and perhaps that is in the face of uh, Tesla, perhaps you know, running out of cash, uh, trying to over, you know, trying to meet deadlines, and um, you know, overextending itself, and those pressures, and the pressures of being a public company. Um, so as a result, we we see in the last few months alone that he's exhibited very um, you know interesting outbursts and erratic behavior, like smoking pot recently uh, during a podcast or in July, making a comment about the um, uh, the Thai cave rescuer as a as a pedo, and then you know of course a, a tweet in on August seventh uh, this year that that's done, that sent the stock um, soaring. Um, how how has this crazy behavior uh, been impacting stock prices, and who's really feeling the hurt? 
Well, let's put it in perspective. He has over 20 million followers. So, um, and he, he tweets a lot. It, uh, they've, they've estimated it at about six times a day. So these outbursts and these tweets um, do have an impact. And who's feeling the hurt um, are the shareholders themselves and perhaps also the board. Um, anything that Mr. Musk tweets is immediately absorbed in the market in by virtue of the fact that he has over 20 million followers who in turn retweet and broadcast the information. Um, and even though one particular tweet or event or outburst may not necessarily impact the stock, I think the cumulative effect um, we see is having an impact, an impact on that stock. Uh, in, on July 2nd, for example, the stock average uh, value was 360 per share, and yesterday it was uh, 286 when I last looked. So there's a drip, drip, drip going on. Exactly. So let's talk particularly about the August tweet that that he said he was taking Tesla private. Why did that get him into so much trouble with the SEC and the filing of a private lawsuit? Um, well, I think let's put that tweet in a, a little context, okay? Because it's it's actually very relevant to the issue of what did he intend to do, which becomes pretty important with the SEC. Um, so. For months prior to that tweet, he had a very public um, uh, war uh, with the short sellers for Tesla. Um, it was a uh, it was an extensive um, back and forth with short sellers, and um, and and one of the big short sellers, which he mentioned by name, is billionaire David Einhorn, who is with uh, Greenlight Capital Hedge Fund. Um, he believed that the shorts were harming the stock price and driving the price of Tesla down. And what is a short seller? Um, well, like when, when you and I may buy stock um, because we believe in a company and we hope for that company to grow, um, we buy the stock, we hold the shares. It's called holding long, being long that position. A short seller is an investor who looks at it from a different perspective. This is the person who um, a short seller believes that the stock is actually overvalued, inflated, um, irrational exuberance, and believes it's going to go down. So what do you do? How do you make money on that? What you do is short sellers will sell into the market at that high price with borrowed shares, usually from their brokerage firm. And then when that drop price drops down, they buy back and cover that position, uh, return those shares uh, for the lower price. So they are, in effect, buying low and selling high, sort of in reverse. It's a, it's a highly risky market strategy. That's why it's best left to the hedge funds and, and other um, accredited investors. Um, but it's a high-risk strategy that can be quite lucrative. Um, and uh, as a result, the short companies, uh, short sellers are sort of the bane of, of company CEOs because a lot of short selling activity tends to drive down a stock price. And just so you know, um, during this particular battle between um, uh, Mr. Musk and the short sellers, uh, Tesla is the most shorted stock in U.S. history, according to a recent um, report by S3 Partners, which tracks shorting data. Um, so that gets us to the tweet. Can you talk a little about that? Sure. Okay, so with that sort of history, on August 7th, um, uh, Mr. Musk tweets uh, around midday. At that time, the stock is $340 a share, more or less. 
And his tweet says, and I quote, am considering taking Tesla private at 420, funding secured. Uh, of course, this gets tweeted to his 20-some million followers and immediately begins to have an effect on the market. And relishing the turmoil that he's causing, he follows it up about 30 minutes later with good morning and a smiley face emoji. Um, this, this sort of announcement by tweet, um, best case scenario, it was terribly reckless to do. Um, and the reason for that is these kinds of company events, um, a merger, acquisition, um, going public, going private, these are major corporate events. Um, these kinds of events and announcements are rolled out very carefully um, when there is a, at least a, a deal in place, um, an intent agreement, um, and it's controlled so that you do not get into trouble with the SEC and you don't spook the market. Moreover, um, the NASDAQ, where Tesla is traded, actually has a rule that if you're going to make such an announcement, um, you should give them a heads up. There's market surveillance folks uh, 10 minutes before to prepare for the eventuality of, of, um, of the roller coaster ride that, that the, the announcement can have. And in fact, because Mr. Musk just tweeted this out, um, in fact, Tesla was forced to suspend or halt trading until they can get behind it and put out a more formal statement. Did he then reel back that tweet at a later date? Well, not right away. Um, he continued tweeting and he basically um, started um, saying that we have, you know, we've talked about this. He, uh, he mentioned the names of potential um, Goldman Sachs and other other firms that were going to be involved in the financing. Um, but at the end of the day, the sort of the damage was done. Um, the stock took a ride up, as expected, um, from the, the trading price at least twenty to thirty dollars per share. Um, there was the trading halt, and then a, a statement was followed by the company. Um, we now know as time has passed, that in fact, um, there was no deal in place. Um, Mr. Musk had talked to um, the Saudis about obtaining funding, but the tweet itself suggests that there's a deal on the table, that funding is secured, even the price of the shares are going have been set. So the first... The first concern for the Securities and Exchange Commission, which immediately opened up an inquiry um, into this uh, into the tweet, is is he tweeting about something that is that is factually accurate, or is there false information, or is it misleading? And so that's one of the things that the SEC is going to be looking at. And and in fact, uh, my understanding is that subpoenas have gone out to members of the board to determine whether or not they approved it or even knew about it at the time. Um, uh, the information that has come out since is that um, this was preliminary at all, and that other than telling board members that he wished we can go private, it never had gone far beyond that. That at least is some of the reporting that's come out on this issue. Um, the SEC will also be very concerned about whether or not Mr. Mosk uh, issued the tweet with the intention of manipulating the market. 
okay? Because it, in fact, did have an instant effect on, uh, on the shares. Um, and whether or not Mr. Musk had intent to manipulate the price or to drive, um, drive the shorts crazy by having them immediately lose a lot of money, um, intent is a hard thing to show. But you have a history of exchanges with the shorts here that can help the SEC try to make that case. So um, I would be a little concerned, um, you know, even if ultimately the SEC didn't bring those types of charges. Um, and in fact, the very next day, uh, short sellers uh, brought two civil lawsuits alleging exactly the same thing, that Mr. Musk issued his tweet of something false uh, for the purpose of driving the price and having them have to cover. Um, so all of these things um, is a lot of turmoil and mayhem that even if at the end of the day the Securities and Exchange Commission gives the company, um, doesn't bring an action against the company, and even doesn't bring an action against Mr. Musk, um, this one tweet will end up costing the company millions of dollars in legal fees for both addressing the SEC investigation plus two uh, civil lawsuits uh, from the short seller shareholders. So if you're Jim Cramer, are you saying buy or sell? I mean, what have we seen in the last, you know, since the tweet? What have we seen happen with institutional investors or short sellers? Well, the, the, what we've seen happen is, as I, as, as I mentioned, there have been subsequent tweets trying to clear this up. Mr. Musk pretty much admitted that there was no sign deal, but he thought it would be fair for shareholders to understand where he was in his thinking. Um, and then, of course, when you add the other sort of erratic conduct that's happened, you have this cumulative problem of, you know, dragging down the stock. Um, there are market analysts out there that are saying that this could go down to $50. Um, and the short sellers since this tweet have made $1.6 billion because even though they took a loss and they kind of took a bath on those first few days, the continued slide of the stock has exactly made um, made their day, and they've made $1.6 billion since that tweet. Holy cow. Um, so is there a road to redemption that includes Musk still in the driver's seat? Um, you know, it, this is, I think, a question that a lot of companies deal with when we're dealing with kind of iconic but um, erratic um, CEOs who, in, in large part, were responsible for their success and the vision um, Mr. Musk seems to work really well in the context of a private company. Maybe that, that is ultimately the answer, which is what he seems to want. Um, it can remain as a public company, but I think that there need to be sort of ground rules laid out about tweeting and making public statements. And, and I'm sure I know that Tesla is not the only public company that has to deal with this issue. Is it reasonable, for example, to to have shareholders follow your Twitter feed to find out information about the company. That's, that may be the future for, you know, 20 years from now or maybe even five years from now. But right now, the vast majority of shareholders, um, you know, they get information through press releases um, and, uh, and the filing of an 8K that happens with the Securities and Exchange Commission. So what's an 8K? 
An 8K is a uh, filing, a form that is filed by companies with the SEC whenever they have an important public announcement. And I think it's not, you know, it's not, um, it would not be surprising to me if the SEC doesn't at least look at the issue of making public statements in the in the age of new technology, and perhaps the SEC should revisit how it does things. But the old-fashioned rule about not making misleading statements, um, not making statements to manipulate the market, um, it doesn't matter what form that takes. That should always be against the law. Okay, we'll be keeping an eye on that Twitter feed. Thanks so much, Terry, for your time and your insights. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us on The Explainer. We hope you'll subscribe and comment and follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Next week, we'll be with Brexit expert Caroline Bradley and Kathleen Clausen, international trade scholar, deep in conversation over the state of trade in the days of Trump. And that's all for this episode of The Explainer. Let us know what and whom you'd like to hear from at Miami Law and Future Shows. I'm your host, Annette Uguez, and we'll be back with you soon with another episode featuring legal news you can sink your ears into. This week's show was brought to you by We Robot 2019, the exciting interdisciplinary conference where legal and policy issues meet robots. Now in its eighth year, We Robot builds on the growing body of scholarship, exploring how the increasing sophistication and autonomous decision-making capabilities of robots and artificial intelligence disrupt existing legal regimes and requires rethinking policy issues. Visit robot.law.miami.edu to learn more. 